14. We'll pick it up here. The Bible says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. We said this uh, last time we are together, uh, support the weak might be financially as well as spiritually. And he says, be patient toward all men. One of the most difficult things you'll do in the Christian life is learn to be patient. And uh, I don't pray for patience uh, because every time I do, a train wreck seems to happen right in the front yard. Um, but maybe I should and maybe you should too. But uh, Paul says, be patient towards all men. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I see something wrong, I want to fix it right away. And sometimes you can't. And as a pastor, I can't, well, I, if I see something wrong, I've learned in eight short years is you can't fix it. <laughs> and then you said this, uh, you said this in your home before, uh, and I'm not insinuating that people of God are stupid, but you said this, you can't fix stupid. And a lot of times you got to give that thing to the Lord and the Lord takes it and turns it and twists it and works that thing out. You got to sit there and grit your teeth and crack your knuckles and stretch and all the rest and you know, you're just so nervous as a, you know, as a, as a cat in a room, a room full of rocking chairs there, but you've got to learn to be patient toward all men. Why? Because God's dealing with them. And especially in the ministry, a pastor, a preacher, you've got to learn to have patience and put the brakes on instead of going, uh, you know, uh, pedal down all the time. But not just preachers, uh, uh, the child of God here. And like I said, most of us, we find out something is wrong or we don't like, we want to fix it, we want to change it now. But you got to take your time. you got to go slow. you got to go slow. Remember when uh, Jacob's coming back and he's, uh, he finally separated from the old man? You say, who is the old man? Laban, right? Father-in-law? You see that perfect picture type of the flesh? He had to separate from the old man, right? And he had to go back to Bethel, right? So he's going. He's separating from the old man. He's heading back to uh, back to face uh, an old foe, which was Esau, right? And so he goes back to, uh, on his way back there. And what happens? Well, he gets to facing off with Esau there, and what he tells Esau, "Look, we can't. We can only go so fast because if we go any faster, then we'll overdrive the sheep and kill them in one day." And you know, you're a child of God. You're like a sheep. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, and you can only go so fast. And a lot of Christians get ruined because they try to go too fast. You've got to slow down. Uh, and I know it's a Christian, it's the Christian race, isn't it? But as my mentor, my preacher says, you need, uh, you need to go, you need to be more accurate than you are fast. Accuracy over speed. You need to make sure that what you're doing is right no matter how long it takes. And in that vein, you've got to learn to be patient toward all men. First of all, not everyone's where you think you're at. A lot of people are actually quite a bit farther ahead. Don't get upset. That's just the plain truth. And the fact of the matter is when you see something wrong, you're not always going to be able to change it. You know, it's going to take you a lifetime of preaching. Stay with me for a second. To overcome some things that you've hooked up with. Uh, you don't just jump into a Bible-believing church, you know, two, three, four, five, six years, and, well, I'm all good. You know, I learned it took 20 years for the Lord to begin to deal with me. And if you're honest with you, some of you were not always under Bible-believing preaching, and then when you were, you weren't faithful about it, and it's going to take at least 20 years for you to get that thing figured out, and another 20 for the Lord to make something out of you. So what's your hurry? Amen. All right, so be patient toward all men. <clears throat> and you've got to remember Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Look at that with me just for a quick second. Uh, tribulation is what worketh patience. 
So you're not going to learn patience on easy street, are you? You're not. You're not going to learn patience when all your bills are paid. You're not going to learn patience when you, everything is just, uh, you, know, you know, you got it handed to you. You're going to learn patience when you're going through it. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. A lot of Christians think they get to the point, and, you know, God's so good to us. He really is. And uh, what happens is we'll get growing, and, and He'll give us some grace, and uh, what happens is He'll uh, He'll fetch us out of some of the messes that we made for ourselves, and next thing you know, your bills are paid for, and next thing you know, there's a little bit extra in the, on the table and in the fridge, and next thing you know, you think you're the one that caused it, and you want more. <laughs> but it's tribulation that worketh patience. It's not good times. Our Romans chapter 5. Can't find anything in my Bible this morning. Maybe I brought the wrong one. No, it says King James. We got the right one. Amen. Romans chapter five. Uh, pick it up in verse uh, three. Romans five three. The Bible says, uh, "And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience." experience. Amen? Moms and dads, you start going through a few things. You start struggling through uh, paying your mortgage and uh, go through a few things in a few months and a few years without. You start getting some experience about you. So when things show up at the door, you don't always fall to pieces, do you? Why? Because you've been there before. You got some experience under your belt. The Christian life ought to be something you can build upon. And when tough times come, in the process of time the Lord deals with you, you should have some patience about it. Patience toward the tribulation and patience towards all men. Why? Because the Lord's given you some experience. And just because you can paint your, pay your, uh, paint your bills, you can paint them too, I don't care, pay your bills today, and just because you might have a shout on your breath today don't mean it's going to be that way tomorrow, is it? Amen. <laughs> Paul says you've got to be patient toward all men. All right? And when you start getting into some tribulation, uh, but by the way, you keep going on in that verse, it says, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. You say, what are you hoping for? <laughs> the more you go through, the more hope you are getting out of here. Amen? You want to keep going through this, do you? Can you imagine if God still let you live like he let Methuselah live 900 years? You want to live in this place for 900 cotton-picking years? Are you crazy? I don't even think I want to live here another 20 You've seen the massive amounts of social change and wickedness that have just been turned loose in the last 20 years. Can you imagine what it's going to be like in 20 more? What a debacle. I mean, you realize that this planet is on a roller coaster straight to hell. It is. And, and, and no, you say, well, you know, Second, Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall hunt. Okay, yeah, that's Israel. I get it. But you're not turning this ship around. Just, just spoiler. It's going to get worse. That's what Paul said to Timothy. It'll wax worse and worse. So what are you going to need? Patience. <laughs> Patience. And that patience worth experience, works experience and experience hope, and you start going through it like some of you have gone through it. I've watched some of you sit here and go through health problem after health problem after health problem after family problem after family problem. You know what I know? Some of you are looking forward to the Lord coming back. <laughs> That's the only thing going to remedy that thing. It ain't going to be a better gas price. That might help you get your doctor's appointments <laughs> a few more trips, but that ain't going to make you happy. And uh, look at verse 15, 1 Thessalonians uh, 5, 15. 
This is just some difficult practical stuff Paul gives us. And this is, uh, this, is, this is how Paul usually closes his epistles. He's going to teach you something, amen? And here in uh, verse 15, he says, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and all men. You just, you just don't go do something evil just to get back at someone who's done evil to you. I mean, everyone's got that neighbor, amen? Just a, just a, uh, a braying elephant, right? You got that neighbor, you just don't go do him wrong because he did you wrong. Okay, you don't have the neighbor. I mean, y'all are like, you know, family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that one feller said this. They took the, they took State Farm's uh, quote there. Like a good neighbor, stay over there. Amen. Fences make great neighbors. <laughs> a whole new ministry, a fence ministry. Amen. <laughs> See that none render evil for evil unto any man. I know that's why y'all are country folk. You got property. Not just to bury bodies, just kidding, but just to get away from people. <laughs> Amen. City folk can't do that. <laughs> Amen. That's why people in the city lose their minds. <laughs> why? They can't get away from it. And you, you get away from you got 10, 50, however many acres you got, you know, like me and my five. <laughs> and that, that's a great little, just a narrow little strip of trees and go back there and shoot deer and, uh, or just hit them with the car, you know, I mean, either way works. But uh, the thing went off the rails real quick, but anyways. He says, see that none render evil for evil. You just don't go do evil just to get back at someone who's done evil to you, amen. That's what the Bible says. That's not what America says, and that's not even what the brethren say. You catch you on the wrong day, and you'll be just as vindictive and vengeful as anybody else. Amen? Amen. So it requires patience uh, for you to wait on somebody, right? I'm not talking about justice. I'm not talking about being a Quaker. I'm not talking about being a pacifist and let someone walk all over you. Amen? Uh, Jesus Christ said in the Bible, only one time to fulfill Scripture, turn the other cheek. You've got to remember that. And then the other time, you know what he told the disciples? Uh, he says, if you don't have a coat, get a coat, right? If you don't have a sword, get a sword. And Pete goes, hey, Lord, here's two swords. Is this enough? He's like, yeah, that's enough. Two should be good. You're one for each hand, right? So I'm not talking about justice. You don't let people hurt you. You don't let people walk. Someone busts in your house and try to hurt you, rape your wife, hurt your kids. Man, you owe it to them. To owe it to them to what? Make the arrangement between them and the Lord. Protect your property. I figure I at least get a couple amens out of a bunch of Michigan militia folk here. I mean, good night. You know? <laughs> I remember read one sign one brother had on his garage. It said, uh, he said, do you believe in God? And uh, it says, I do too. If you trespass here after dark, you'll meet him. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> but uh, I believe the right thing for you to do is to protect your property. Amen? And you just happen to live in a country so far in this state, you're allowed to protect your property. You're allowed to protect your life. We're not talking about uh, being a pacifist, amen, and just letting someone, but you, you go over somewhere else, across uh, overseas somewhere, you can't even protect yourself half the time. So like the brother prayed, yeah, this country is a mess, but still the best thing going. You said, how long are you going to keep saying that? Probably till the Lord comes back. Still a good place to live. 
Say what you want about Osco County. I know you can go down to the courthouse and marry each other if you're queer or something, but you can still raise a family in Osco County, Ogemaw County, and then turn out all right. You can. Amen. And, uh, but when someone just does something evil to you, the Bible says you don't render evil uh, for evil to any man. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 16. I'll show you this account in the Bible. Now, Bible believers have a real quirky way of thinking. They think if, if you cross me, then uh, you have to die. And I don't know what that is. That's just a bad spirit. Uh, the Bible believing spirit, uh, I run across a lot of stuff. They're, they're more vicious with their own kind than they are lost people. There's something wrong with that. Uh, uh, social media has become a venue where uh, I call retarded Bible believers like to throw mud at each other's box. That's the dumbest thing. And uh, you say, how do you know? I got a church page. I see them. And some of them get on there every once in a while, and, well, we just kick them off. Amen. Second Samuel chapter 16. You know the account, Absalom's taken over the kingdom there. And he takes over the kingdom, and David just gets out of town. Uh, he figures uh, uh, if the Lord don't want him there anymore, he'll just walk away and make it a little bit easier. Because David realized that the kingdom, the crown, belongs to the Lord. And so uh, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 16, they're going across the river there. Uh, and uh, if I could find this place here, 16.5. Notice what it says here. And when King David came to Behurim, behold, thence came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He came forth and cursed still as he came. And he cast stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. And thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man and thou man of Belial. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom thy son and behold thou art taken in thy mischief because thou art a bloody man. He's lying right through his teeth. That's not at all what's happening. But he's cursing David, ain't he? He's doing evil to David. Look at verse 9. Then said Abishai, this is one, this is what King David's right-hand man, uh, he would, not to be trifled with. Uh, then said Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, unto the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. That's a Bible believer, ain't it? <laughs> That's a good man. Wouldn't you like to have a couple of Abishais around you? You go street preaching somewhere, passing out tracts or holding up signs. A couple of Abishais ready to <laughs> cut someone's head off. Amen, that's good. But you know what? You know what David said? Look what he says. Verse 11, David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold my son, uh, which came forth in my bowels, uh, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse. For the Lord hath bidden him. What an attitude to have. You know, David said, I know he deserves to die. You could do it with one stroke, Abishai. You keep, you keep that sword so sharp. You know how to use it offensively. You know how to use it defensively. But put your sword up. Let him curse. You see the application? As a child of God, you're not to render evil for evil. You say, how could David do that? He was older now. His later part of his ministry, he learned to give his enemies to the Lord. And some of you all need to learn to do that. Some of you got some long-time enemies. You just need to learn to give them to the Lord. Lord, take better care of them than you will. Amen. And no, some of you all are ready to take your sword off and cut their head off every time you see them. You can't be that way. Paul says you don't render evil for evil any man. 
And if you're going to serve the Lord, listen now, the greatest enemy that you will ever have will be the, your own Christian people. You need to grasp a hold of that. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts. And there goes the head. <laughs> yeah, just like that, right? You ever, had, you ever been stuck in the back? Say amen. You ever been stabbed in the heart? Say amen. You ever been just gutted in the field and don't know why? Amen, amen. From a brother, right? It wasn't from the cashier at Walmart. It <laughs> wasn't from, from the clerk at the doctor's office. It was from your own spiritual flesh and blood. And if you're going to serve the Lord, uh, you're going to have to learn that sometimes, now listen, because I tell you this doesn't mean you treat each other like an enemy. You got to learn to take it. And a lot of Bible believers, they're babies because they won't take anything on the chin. Ladies, you are not willing to take anything from your husband. Husbands, you're not willing to take anything from your boss. Every time your boss says something, you take it personally. You've got to learn to take it. You don't render evil for evil, Paul says. Now look, Christians are going to do some of the most evil, vile, and wicked things to you. They'll say things about you. They'll lie about you. As the old preacher says, don't worry about it if they lie about you. Just worry about it if they tell the truth. Amen? <laughs> then you can worry about it. <laughs> And they'll talk about you, and they'll do it all in the name of helping other people out. Well, we just wanted you to know. We just thought you should understand. We just wanted to give you direction on how to pray. Yeah, shut up. In the name of Jesus, of course. And the Lord here says through Paul, you're not to render evil for evil unto any man. Now look, that account in the Bible, David had every right to cut Shimei's head off. And you remember, I won't go through it, but when he comes back, Shimei is kowtowing now because he knows David's going back to the throne. And he's like, oh, David, I'm really, really sorry. I really didn't mean that. Don't kill me, please. And Abishai is like, just give me one stroke, and that sucker's dead. And David gets all over Abishai. He says, don't I know that I'm the king? Put your sword up. And what happens is uh, David kicks off the scene, and uh, the old saying is like this. You've heard it. You probably said it. Your old man said it. You give man enough room. Uh, given man enough rope, he'll hang himself, won't he? You know, some of you had businesses, had employees, and you had a you suspected one of being a rotten apple. All you had to do is give them enough rope; they'll hang themselves. They start coming into work late. They start, you know, cutting out early. Next thing you know, they they won't even show. They'll hang themselves. But David kicks off the scene. Solomon gets to the throne. What happens? All right, there's an agreement made between Solomon and Shimei. You don't leave town. He says to Shimei, "I know what you did to my daddy." And my daddy didn't let you die, so you can't leave town. What happens? Within the space of two or three years, Shimei leaves town. What does Solomon do? He fetched him, and he killed him. You say, why? David gave his enemies to the Lord. And you need to learn to give your enemies to the Lord, too. Amen. And the Lord says, you're not to render evil for evil unto any man. That's, a, that's easy to preach, hard to do. And then he says in that verse there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he says, you follow that which is good. Amen? You ever just stop and think why you follow some of the stuff you do? Ain't nothing good about it. Uh, the big thing on social media is who follows who. I got however many followers. You got more people uh, tweeting and posting and all this, happy birthday, happy birthday. They're not wishing you happy birthday. Someone told them to tell you happy birthday. And I'm even thinking about you. Oh, look at me. I told everybody happy birthday. Hope you have a wonderful day. You've never even met that person. Oh, happy birthday. Stop it. You're killing me, man. 
fake. <laughs> Happy birthday. What does that even mean? You're going to get up and go to work. Even if you're retired, you're going to get up and go to work. Or that might be a little bit later, but you, you'll eventually get up and eventually think about working. But he says, follow that which is good. Christ was good. Paul was good. And so what should you do? You should follow the way that they handle things. Amen? You follow the way that Paul handled things until you get to the high priest and he spouts off after he's slapped. You notice Paul loses his temper in front of the high priest. High priest hauls off and smacks him across the face. Paul says, God smite thee, thou whited wall. Yeah, you slap me across the face or some stuff probably come out of my mouth too. But the high priest slaps the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, if I've done evil, bear witness of the evil. And if not, why smitest thou me? That's the difference. So you follow Paul. You follow Christ. All right? He says, both among yourselves and to all men. So not only the brethren, but the ones that are outside. You see that? The brethren first. You're going to find out that's the unsaved. Like we said, the unsaved will give you less trouble than the saved will. And uh, you don't need to be ignorant about it. Amen. Amen. You don't need to be ignorant about it, but you don't need to be terrified about it either. See, what happens is in the life of a Christian, you need a great amount of grace to live the Christian life. And because many Christians don't have enough grace to fill a symbol. Now, I know you had grace to get saved, but because so many Christians don't have enough grace to fill a thimble, they have a real difficult time living the Christian life because they don't even see the need for spiritual things. But you're going to find out the unsaved will give you less trouble than the, uh, than, the, than the brethren will. And so what you do? Well, you let the Lord handle it. Amen? You give it to the Lord. And, uh, and he's given us some hard things here in uh, verses 12 to 27. And uh, would you believe that there's actually a number of Christians out there that believe that there's no scriptural commands for us to follow under grace? You've got to remember that grace... Once you are under grace, right? Because we're no longer under law, we're under grace. You have to realize that being under grace has taken you and I to such a higher level than the law ever did. A higher level. People look at that thing and they get that thing messed up. They get it all cattywampus, as they say. And now that you're under grace, you're called to a much higher standard. You say, why? Because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have the ability, because of the Holy Spirit residing inside of you, to overcome things that you could not overcome with the law. And the Lord expects a whole lot more out of you than He did Moses. You ever think about that? He expects a whole lot more out of you. Why? You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. You realize Moses didn't have necessarily the Holy Spirit of God living inside of him. And he did what he did. And think about it. Lord says, uh, I think it's in Luke. I, I don't have the reference. He says, to whom much is given, much shall be required. You ever stop and think about how much we've been given? We've, we've, been, we've been given a King James Bible. We have all of the perfect, pure word of God. Many generations before us, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years prior to six, they didn't have all of it. They might have had a page of the Bible. We have everything. Not only that, we have multiple copies, not versions, but multiple copies in our house. We also have what's called the information highway that we could literally get an answer to any question in seconds. And yet we are some of the most backwards, uneducated, and ignorant Christians of our day. Oh, just me then. <laughs> Y'all are Harvard grads. 
but the Lord expects a whole lot more out of you than he did someone like Moses or Jacob or Joseph. And uh, Christians always seem to want to hide behind that liberty for an occasion to serve the flesh. You ever notice in conversations that Christians just tend to go towards their liberty as if it's just an excuse for them to do what they want. But your liberty is to serve the Lord. I'll look at 1 Thessalonians 5.16, some tough practical stuff this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.16, the Bible says, Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Now, uh, next to John 11.25, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. John 11.35, right? Yeah. John 11.35 says, Jesus wept. This is the second shortest. Rejoice evermore. But here it is, rejoice evermore, and that's what Paul's doing. Just like the theme of Philippians, rejoice. Rejoice evermore. Then he says in verse 17, pray without ceasing. You say, what does that mean? That means you ought to pray like Daniel. Pray like Daniel. You ever stop and think Daniel was ruler over 151 provinces? He was like a president over 151 provinces. That's three times the responsibility of the current president of the United States. And he still found time to pray three times a day. Old kid song says, old Daniel was a man of prayer. He prayed three times a day. For this they took and threw him in the lion's den to stay. Had three times the responsibility of any U.S. president, and he found three times during the day to stop and pray. That's pretty important. Not only that, but Daniel, uh, you read the book of Daniel, he took even time to fast up to 21 days. Now, that's a missing thing, isn't it? Fasting. There's a lot of importance with that fasting. If you want to learn about fasting, hit Isaiah chapter 58 and spend about a month of Sundays in there about the importance of fasting. But Daniel prayed. Daniel prayed, and you ought to pray like Daniel. And the best way when I think about it, you come to this verse, you just, just better pray like Daniel. Let me give you a couple things here from the book of Daniel. If you pray like Daniel, according to the scriptures, a couple things are going to happen. If you're going to willing to pray like Daniel, right? Pray without ceasing. You know, the first thing I see... If you're going to willing to pray like Daniel, you'll have a fair countenance. You'll have a fair countenance towards others. You know what this generation lacks? Fair countenance. This is a generation of crabby Christians. And I believe the, this generation is crabby because they really believe they deserve more than they got. And I'm telling you what, if you read that thing about Daniel, you'll realize this. He had his parents taken away from They were probably killed in the siege at Jerusalem. And he's taken away, and he's before a foreign entity. It'd be like you getting taken away from your parents. Your parents killed, slaughtered, or whatever. And then you have to sit and serve a Chinese ruler. Some of you are so cotton-picking mad right now, you'd, you'd do everything to kill yourself or kill them. But here Daniel is, and he's praying three times a day. And in Daniel 1.15, you'll see if you pray like Daniel, you'll get a fair countenance towards others. Second thing I see through the book of Daniel, if you're willing to pray like he does, uh, you'll be guaranteed to have communion with the king. Communion with the king. Isn't that good? If you're willing to pray like Daniel, you'll find over there in Daniel chapter 1, verse 19, because of his prayer meeting, he was ushered into the presence of the king and had communion with him. Let me give you number three. If you're willing to pray like Daniel, you know what I see here in the, in, in the book of Daniel? You'll have a better understanding of the times. You know why Christians get so caught up in this world? They don't pray. A better understanding of the times. A 
And you find that in uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 20. Why? Prayer. You know what Daniel didn't do? He didn't get jacked up over the elections. <laughs> you know how many kings that guy served under? At least four. Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. Four of them. He serves under all four, and there was schisms and scandals and messes with each one. You see that? He had a better understanding of the times. That's what the Bible says. You say, why? Well, because he was a man of prayer. He didn't let things of this world bug him. And if you're going to be willing to pray like Daniel, you know what you'll, you'll get? You'll have an excellent spirit. Excellent spirit. You know why the king loved Daniel? Because he had an excellent spirit. You know why a lot of people hated Daniel? Because he had an excellent spirit. They were jealous of him. You know, you find Christians in a local church setting, find someone, God's working on them, they'll have an excellent spirit, and they'll get jealous about it. <laughs> I never understood that, man. <laughs> Daniel chapter 5, verse 12. You see, Daniel's got an excellent spirit because he's willing to pray. He's willing to stop what he's doing. He's willing to schedule some time. He's willing to get on his knees, and he's willing to talk to the Lord. And because of that, he gets an excellent spirit about it. Not only that, I'll give you number five. If you're willing to pray like Daniel, I can guarantee you that you'll have your motives questioned and you'll be misunderstood. Your motives will be questioned and you'll be misunderstood. Why? The closer you get to the Lord Jesus Christ, the closer you get to the devil. Did you catch that? The closer, the more you draw near to Jesus Christ, you think, well, I'm putting space between me and the devil. No, the closer the devil will get to you. The devil never runs and hides when you get down on your knees. The devil never runs and hides when you read your Bible. He'll sit down right beside you and plant doubts in your mind. And when you read your Bible, he'll try to get you to interpret it wrong. He'll try to get you cocky. He'll try to get you arrogant. He'll try to make you think you know more than you do. And he'll go, man, you've been reading that book a long time. Haven't you read that about 30 times now? You know a thing or two. Them idiots down the road, they don't believe the Bible. I'll tell you what, you got it made. Just take it easy now. You don't need to go Sunday night. You don't need to go to Sunday school. You don't need to go to Wednesday night. You know more than they do. But your motives will be questions. You'll be misunderstood. That's Daniel 6.10. A couple more, and we'll be done with Daniel here. I'll give you number six. If you're willing to pray, I can guarantee you're going to get some one-on-one -on -one time with a roaring lion. Then Peter say over there that your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Old Daniel, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And the Bible says when he was told he couldn't pray, he went and prayed a... a what's, as he did aforetime. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. You're the best concordance a man could ask for. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's why you can never divorce me. I'm just telling you because ain't no woman knows that book like you do. Amen. Now, one-on-one uh, -on -one time with a roaring lion. That's Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. I remember I first started uh, getting a couple chances, uh, opportunities to preach. And... Uh, I'd be looking for something, and she'd say, like a reference, he used to make me mad. Now I'm thankful for it. <laughs> you say, why? I, I don't know everything. Neither do you. Someone help me, I'll take all the help I can get. <laughs> I'll give you one more. Not only will you be guaranteed some one-on-one -on -one time with some roaring lions, that's Daniel 6.16, but the more you pray, if you're willing to pray like Daniel, I guarantee, according to this book, 
your faith will be strengthened in God. Faith will be strengthened in God. We have a generation of weak Christians because we don't pray. We don't pray. I'm not talking about breakfast, lunch, and dinner either. Good bread, good meat, good God, let's eat. How about just taking some time, setting it aside? That's Daniel 6.23. All because one man was willing to pray. Ask yourself this morning, am I willing to pray? Or does my schedule mean more to me than my relationship with Jesus Christ? Listen, I know what we're talking about here. Two things that you and I struggle with, and this is the number one. You struggle less with Bible reading because it takes work, doesn't it? But there's some sort of satisfaction you sitting down. Many of you, some of your personalities are here. It's easier to read your Bible, but the most difficult thing is to pray because it makes your flesh so viciously uncomfortable. And if you don't plan to pray, you ain't going to pray. You'll be a Christian that only prays when there's tough times. Help me out. Bail me out. Pull me out. I'm in a mess. I'm in the ditch. I'm upside down. And then when, when the clouds roll back and the sun comes out and things get better, you quit praying. You see, the early church, it was different. The early church in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, uh, they prayed and things happened. You notice that. They got to praying. Why? They just wanted to be close to the Lord. First message was preached to the early Christians in Acts chapter 11 was to cleave unto the Lord. So the early church, they got together as much as they could because they were following the instruction of Jesus Christ and they were praying, they're praying, they're praying, the Holy Spirit moved. Now in our generation, we wait till things happen, then we pray. That thing's backwards. Well, Daniel was willing to pray and Paul says, pray without ceasing. You want to increase your relationship with Jesus Christ this week, just this week? Commit to praying. Commit to praying. Paul says, pray without ceasing. And the best thing I can come up with is you need to be willing to pray like Daniel. He prayed three times a day. In Acts 16, Paul was down there in the prison praying and rejoicing. And Paul practiced what he preached. And here's the thing. We've got just a couple minutes left here. If you want to have fire in your life, you want the power of God in your life, you want, you want to be on fire, you know what you got to do? You got to keep sending up the smoke. You know what happens if there's a, you, come, you come out in the morning and there, there's no smoke coming out of the chimney? Not only does it mean there's no fire, but the coals are gone out. I'm just saying you got to learn to keep sending the smoke up. You got to keep the fire in the chimney. You see what I mean? You got to keep praying. John Wesley, uh, back uh, around 1700, uh, they questioned him when he was preaching the gospel in England. They said, how in the world people, you really think people are going to come out and hear you preach? Remember, this is John Wesley preached to thousands. Open air, no PA. Man, that guy must have had a set of lungs. You know, we're all weak need anymore. You and I, half of us couldn't even shout across the street, hey, hey. Yeah, I bet you John Wesley had leather lungs. And they said, how do you think people are going to come out? You know what he said to them? He said, I'll tell you what I do. This is germs vernacular here. I ain't quite got it. He said, I'm going to set myself on fire and people have to come watch me burn. You want to burn? Then keep sending up the smoke. Keep praying. Keep praying. He said, well, I haven't been praying lately. It's time, time to kindle a fire, ain't it? 
You want to get the power of God? You want to start seeing things happen? Start praying. Once you start, don't quit. If you want to have a fervent fire in your life and a fire from God and those kind of things, you've got to keep sending up the smoke. Keep sending. Look at verse 18. It says, In every, uh, everything give thanks. First Thessalonians 5, 18, Everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Man, he sure makes it difficult through here, doesn't it? <laughs> he just, uh, it's like he's got you on the map. He's this master jujitsu guy, and he's just got you in this hole, just making you tap out. He says, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What's the will of God? And everything give thanks. Everything. I caught myself while we were getting ready to go to uh, uh, Florida there. And uh, I'll tell this and call it good here eventually here. And uh, we're getting ready to go to Florida again. We're coming home from church and the brakes go out in the Yukon. The crazy part is the exact same thing happened last year when I was getting ready to go to Florida. The front brakes went out. This year, to the day, the rear brakes went out. And I'm just, I'm just so happy, thanking the Lord, right? <laughs> and finally, after we get off my high horse, and we made it home safely, uh, I had, uh, you know, about 12, 18 hours to get things fixed. The Lord's like, well, aren't you glad I've been surfacing the stuff before you got in the hills of West Virginia and the mountains up there and you couldn't stop and you crashed and killed everyone in your ride? I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> You say what? I start giving thanks and everything. Thank you for the extra bill. Thank you you surfaced it while I was here on flat old Michigan, you know. <laughs> no mountains, <laughs> no deep ravines. He says, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God. You want to be in the will of God? Give thanks. If you don't, you're not in the will of God. You thankful this morning for everything? <laughs> well, I think we'll stop right there. In everything, give thanks.